So for the purposes of this week's Devar Torah, let's pretend you've woken up after the Seder and you're in shul, you're in synagogue, and it's, let's say, I don't know, 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, and you just spent up until midnight or 1 o'clock or even later in the morning enjoying the Pesach Seder, the Passover Seder. And you've gotten up and you're asking yourself as you sit in shul, why am I here? Right? That's the question. You went from slavery to freedom, and now you're sitting in shul. Early in the morning, blurry-eyed, and perhaps wondering why you're there. And heck, let's extend the question. Why did you have a Seder? Why do you do all of this stuff? What's the point of any of it? Now, there's a couple standard, regular, normal answers, right? One answer is, God told us to. Look at the miracles Hashem performed. Look at what happened in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. He told us to have a Seder. He told us to get up in the morning to pray. Voila, we do both things. Voila, we do all these things. For many Jews, that's not the reason. For many Jews, I'd suppose, the reason is because the Pesach Seder is the most enduring tradition we have. It's the way in which we pass some shred of Judaism from generation to generation and maintain our people in some way. So you could say, the reason I do this is because of tradition. It's very old. The Jews have been doing this for over 3,000 years. One of the oldest traditions in the world. But then again, why? You could be a Hindu and claim your Vedas are from 3000 BCE. It's older than Judaism. So why don't we just switch over to the older track? After all, we're never going to catch them. Why don't we just switch over and become Hindus? Age is not the reason we do this. And a simple commandment from Hashem, I don't think that's enough of a reason. Yes, Hashem tells us to do it. But there's reasons built into the entire story. We put all this work into Passover cleaning. We make our kids stay up late. We make them memorize questions we never answer. We do it all for a reason. But what's the reason? If we go back to that first exodus, the exodus from Egypt, we know that it involves Paro and Mitzrayim. Why was Paro chosen? Not some other leader from Babylon or whoever else. Why was Paro chosen as the villain in this story? What does he represent? Well, we can go back even further to the story of the flood. In the story of the flood, Hashem says that the men of might, we see that the men of might, the men of valor, the men of fame, are just competing with each other for that fame. They're competing with each other for power. We've seen the degradation of society that took part beforehand where knives became the currency of society. And those people, among other things, take whatever women they want. Everybody else is a snail to them, an ant, a grasshopper. They don't matter. So for those men of might, 
They've managed to corrupt the entire society because of their avarice for money, their avarice for power, their avarice for glory and for fame. And they end up undermining everything. And Hashem looks at this world and he regrets making it. So he brings the flood, he cleans it all out. But he doesn't change people. He doesn't change people. He just gets involved earlier on in the process. And so instead of men of might completely dominating the world, they still exist. But lessons are made of them in order to keep them in their place. And one of the first men of might who emerges, not the first, but one of the first who emerges after the flood, is Paro in the time of Avraham. Paro is a B'nai Elohim, that's what they're called before the flood. He's a son of the powerful, son of, we use the word for gods as well, but he's the son of the powerful. He didn't make his own power, he inherited it. And Avraham goes to Egypt because of a famine, and Paro takes Sarah, no questions asked. He sees what he wants and he takes it. That's what a Paro does. And the Torah says that Hashem brought plagues on Paro's household, that he never lifted them. There's no record of him ever saying the plagues have been retracted. I believe those plagues and the plagues we see in this story are one and the same. Paro is built up to represent the ultimate in human pride. Yosef makes him the owner of all the Egyptian people. The Jews are not the only ones who are enslaved. Paro enslaves everybody. And then Paro is brought low in the face of Hashem. Through the plagues that show Hashem's power in the waters below to the heavens above to time itself, Paro is brought low. So why do we do all of this? Well, if we look at one mitzvah, the ultimate mitzvah in the process of Pesach, the reason we call it Pesach or Passover or hover, depending on how you translate it, is because we sacrifice a seh, a goat or a sheep. We sacrifice it, we put its blood on a doorpost. Now, we don't do this anymore. But what does this sacrifice represent? The blood we can understand. Blood unifies all the cells in our bodies, in the bodies of all animals. When you put blood on your doorpost, you are saying, I am a part of this new body politic. We're creating a new body called the Jewish people. The mezuzah does the same thing. You put these words in the door and you create a new body. And Hashem doesn't kill those people. Why not? Why doesn't he take the firstborn of those people who bring the seh? The reason is because the, the earlier seh, when Isaac, Yitzchak, is about to be offered up and they're about to climb the mountain where Avraham is going to offer him to Hashem, where Avraham is going to sacrifice his future because he fears God. Not because he understands, but because he fears God. Yitzchak asks, where is the seh? And Hashem says, God will provide. Yitzchak is the seh. Yitzchak is his future. When we offer up our future to Hashem, we are granted a future in return. When we offer up the seh and put the blood in our doorposts, we are saying that we have symbolically given our future to God. 
And because of that, God gives us a future. God alone can offer time. We make ourselves a part of something greater, something greatest. And because of that, we can be a part of something greater. It's almost obvious in its circularity. So what's the difference between us and Paro? Why is the Pesach Seder so important? Because Paro had no humility in the face of God. He did not recognize his place. He believed that as the greatest of people, as the B'nai Elohim, as the sons of the powerful, he had the right and perhaps even the obligation to look beyond whatever spark of divinity might have existed in the least of people. When we dedicate ourselves to Hashem, when we dedicate ourselves to that which is infinite, we're all equalized. We are all equalized in the face of the infinite. And so that's why we do it. We're not simply forming a nation through blood, like Ukraine today, perhaps. We're forming a nation whose very existence is supposed to state that we are connected and dedicated to the infinite. And because we are all equalized in the face of the infinite, none of us have a right to act as Paro did. None of us have a right to act as the B'nai Elohim did before the flood. We're not about seeking fame or seeking great fortunes or taking whatever we want to take. That's what we represent. That's why we carry out the Seder. We are recreating the experience of dedicating to ourselves to the divine and understanding our place before the Holy One, blessed be He. Have a wonderful and rewarding Pesach. Mm-hmm.